The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, member of the Wells, on June 7, 2015, based on Deuteronomy 5.12 and Mark 2.28. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God through which the Holy Spirit directs our thoughts and draws us to our Savior is Deuteronomy 5, verse 12, the first verse of the first lesson, and Mark 2, verse 28, the last verse of the Gospel. Deuteronomy 5, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you, and Mark 2. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. During the 40 years that the people of Israel spent in the wilderness, Numbers 15 tells us of a time that a man gathered wood on the Sabbath. The people brought him to Moses, and the Lord told Moses, he must die. The people were to take him outside of the camp and stone him. God is serious about his commandments. With that background, it shouldn't surprise us then when we hear the Pharisees finding it so serious when they thought that Jesus' disciples were breaking the Sabbath. The Pharisees' problem was not that they took the Sabbath too seriously and needed to lighten up. No, the problem was the Pharisees misunderstood what the Sabbath was all about. Yes, that word Sabbath means rest. But the Sabbath is not all about rules and regulations to enforce physical rest. The Sabbath, rather, was a shadow, a picture of the rest that the Messiah was coming to bring. Only Christ Jesus brings that rest, that true Sabbath, which you and I, dear friends, desperately need. Only Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, rest for your souls, Matthew 11. And so, dear friends, rest in Christ. That's the theme here this morning, rest in Christ. Part one, rest in his wounds. For you see, what is that burden that wearies our souls? In a word, it's guilt. And even though we can put on a good show that makes us look like non-guilty people on the outside, your conscience, my conscience, knows better. Your conscience knows your words that sound okay but really came from an angry heart that wanted to tear others down. Your conscience knows how often pursuing earthly happiness pushes God and his word to the side in your heart. Your conscience knows how often thankfulness is drowned by coveting what you don't have or worrying about what you do have. And how are we going to get rid of that guilt? Because your conscience knows that God knows even better than you and I know our guilt. What a burden that guilt is. Now, I suppose we could imagine that 
Maybe we could bury our guilt by pretending that our sins aren't all that bad. Maybe we could try to lessen the guilt by imagining that our good efforts are sort of like a counterweight for our wrongs. We could even maybe convince ourselves that if we are sorry enough, that that will somehow ease the burden of guilt. But none of that works, dear friends. None of that truly removes that burden of guilt. Rather, we confess with the hymn writer, not the labors of my hands can fulfill the law's demands. Could my zeal no respite? No. Could my tears forever flow? All for sin cannot atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. Only Jesus. Only Jesus lifts that burden of guilt off of your heart, dear friend. Only Jesus carries that burden to the cross in your place. For only Jesus takes away the sins of the world. And that means all of your sins, all of your guilt, rest in his wounds. For he was stricken, smitten, and afflicted for you. He, was, he took all your sin, all your guilt, and nailed it to the cross in his body. Rest in his wounds, for his precious blood pays the full price to set you free from guilt. Rest in his wounds, for with Thomas we touch those nail marks and confess my Lord and my God as we hear Jesus announce peace to us, peace with God, peace through the forgiveness of our sins, the removal of our guilt. That's the rest that Jesus brings. Peace with God. Rest in his wounds, dear friends. For it is his wounds that lift that guilt, not our works. And that's one of the pictures we see in the Sabbath. The Lord commanded his Old Testament people to rest on the Sabbath so that they would see that the labors of their hands could not save them, could not remove their guilt. And that's how ironic the Pharisees are in that they took what was supposed to teach them that their works could not do it anything and they turned it into a work that they thought would earn them God's favor. No, they were to rest from their works as an illustration that we cannot save ourselves. The labors of our hands, our works cannot save us. We need the coming Messiah. They needed that coming Messiah. And Jesus Christ is that Messiah, the Christ who removes your guilt. So rest in his wounds, dear friends. Rest in Christ. And also, rest in his works, which brings us to part two here. What I've said so far is nothing new to you. You know well that we cannot earn our forgiveness from God. But how well do we apply it in our lives? How well do we put that truth into practice so that it doesn't just sit in our minds as, yes, I know I'm forgiven, but actually changes our hearts and changes the way we live? And maybe the way to get at the root of this is to ask ourselves this question. What drives me to do good? Are you driven to do good, hoping to make God happy? Sometimes that's the idea that's nurtured in us even as little children. Maybe you recall from your youth when you did something wrong, someone corrected you by saying, do you think Jesus is happy with the way you're behaving? Now, they probably had good intentions of trying to get us to behave properly, but, but look at how those words picture Jesus. They picture him as 
a frowning God who rather than taking that burden of guilt off of us and carrying it himself has now placed on us that additional burden of trying to make God happy. To the contrary, all that Jesus did, all his works, he did for you. And was God happy with what Jesus did? Well, twice from heaven we hear the Father saying, this is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Now just follow this all through. God is well pleased with all that Jesus did, with all his works. And all that Jesus did, all his works count for you. So don't be driven by that thought that you need to make God happy. Rather, rejoice that in Christ, you already have God's approval. You have God's good pleasure and favor. Rest in Christ's works. But back to that question then, what drives us to do good? Are we driven by purpose or goals in life? Are we driven by the thought of paying it forward? Are we driven by the hope of reward? One good turn deserves another? Are we driven by the fear of, of losing salvation or of maybe suffering more in this life if we don't do enough good? Well, none of that. None of that is resting in Christ's works. On the other hand, resting in Christ's works must not be confused with spiritual laziness, indifference, or lukewarmness. Resting in Christ's works does not mean sitting back in an easy chair and saying, well, Christ did it all for me, and so now I can live for myself. No, dear friends. Resting in Christ's work means drowning our old self day after day, putting off its evil desires, denying our inborn self. For you see, when we rest in Christ's works, Amazement fills us as we marvel at all that he did to set us free from that old self within us. He has freed us from that tyranny. Why would we want to return to its domination once again? Now, that old self will continue to live in you and me as long as we are alive on this earth. This is a daily fight. And that old self that still lives within us cannot be driven to do what is good. For you see, even though the old self can be coerced into doing something that looks good on the outside, it will never be truly pleasing to God. And so the best is that we use God's law with its threats of punishment to curb our old self and beat it down to keep it in its place. Yes, dear friends, when we rest in Christ's works, we daily drown our old self. But what about the new self? That new self that we did not have, but the Holy Spirit created in you through baptism. What about that new self? Well, the new self does not need to be driven. The new self freely does what God wants us to do, for the new self rejoices in all that Christ has done for us. Yes, when we rest in Christ's works, our new self is rejoicing in 
all those works of love that Christ has done for you and me, our new self rejoices in, in how the Father lavished his love on us, giving us his own dear Son. It, we rejoice in how the Son lavished his love on us, doing even that ultimate work of sacrificing himself in our place. As we rest in Christ's works, his love for us fills us with love for him and for others. And this love moves us. It doesn't drive us like a taskmaster or slave driver, but this love moves us, motivates us, empowers us. It fills us with that energy, that eagerness, that, 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 that delight, that joy, that thankfulness that freely does what God wants us to do. This is that new self rejoicing in God's love for us as we rest in Christ's works, his works of love that have saved us. So, dear friends, rest in Christ's works. And as you do so, as you do so, love one another. Do what is right and good. For, when, for you know and believe Christ's love has done for you as you rest in his works. And now as we think about all this, we realize how much we have to do in applying God's truth to our lives, that putting this into practice is, is not just a one-time thing, but a daily fight. And we need the strength to do that. And that's what brings us to the final part here. Where do we find that strength to put this all into practice in Christ's word. Yes, dear friends, rest in Christ's word. His word, both in the scriptures and in the sacraments, brings us his love and fills us with his love. For his word says to you and to me that Jesus has taken that burden of guilt off of you and carried it himself. His word says to you, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. This is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Rest in my wounds. Yes, dear friends, rest in his word. For your new self delights in the word of your God. Your new self, yes, you, dear Christian, you delight in the word of God because it brings you the strength to do what is right and good. It brings you the strength to love others even as Christ has loved you. It brings you the strength to do that freely, not driven or coerced, but freely. For the word says to you, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed, free to live for me who died for you. Rest in my works. And so, in the Old Testament, the Lord commanded his people to take a full day each week to rest from their regular work so that they could gladly hear and learn God's word, remembering his promises. For his word is what made the day holy. Resting or relaxing doesn't make a day holy. It is God's word that does that. And so, dear friends, make his word a cornerstone of every day so that all your days are holy to the Lord. Rest in Christ words. Rest in his words until he brings you into that eternal Sabbath rest, your heavenly promised land. Until then, we are journeying through a bleak and dreary wilderness, 
Until then, we are hard-pressed on every side. So rest in Christ, dear friends. Rest in his wounds, his works, his word. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.